Good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for being here today. Uh, the Minister of Finance, the Attorney General, and I have just left Cabinet, uh, where we have uh, agreed and passed the appropriate orders to hold a public inquiry into gaming and uh, money laundering and the whole range of other activities that have flowed from the investigations that have been underway since we were sworn in as government. I'd like to take people back, if I could, to uh, 2014 to 2016, when we saw an incredible spike in the cost of housing in the Lower Mainland particularly, but that started to spread right across British Columbia. At the time, Minister Eby was the housing critic for the official opposition, and he and I set out to try and determine how did it get this way and what steps could we take should we have the opportunity and the privilege to form a government. After deliberation, we determined that a vast majority of the spike in housing costs were a result of speculation in the marketplace. When we formed government, Minister James set about putting in place a plan to address housing costs and the, high, the, the radical increase in the cost of housing in British Columbia. At the same time, Minister Eby undertook a review by appointing uh, uh, Peter German to investigate money laundering in the casino sector. You're all aware of the findings of Mr. German. Many of you would have seen the, uh, the images of hockey bags full of cash being used and laundered through our casinos here in British Columbia. We responded to that. We took steps to fix gaming policy enforcement. We addressed uh, some changes to the board at the BC Lottery Corporation in an attempt to get money laundering out of that sector. Last uh, fall, there was a prosecution underway that had been uh, years in the making, and it, was, it failed and was thrown out of court. A stay was issued. It was at that time that uh, we sat down as a cabinet and said, how can we ensure that the people of British Columbia see consequences for the action of criminals and criminal activity in British Columbia. We asked Mr. German to expand his scope to look at uh, luxury autos, horse racing, and other elements in the economy, and Minister James put in place an expert panel to review the potential impact of money laundering in our housing sector. Now, those distortions were obvious to British Columbians, they were obvious to people, and they were obvious to government as well. Over that two-year period, there were many calls, some from you in this room, some from outside this room, for a full public inquiry into money laundering in British Columbia. We resisted that initially as we collected information because we wanted to make sure we were doing everything we could for the people of BC to demonstrate consequences for the actions of criminals in our economy. That criminal activity has had a material impact on people, whether it be the rise of of uh, opioid uh, addictions, the rise of opioid deaths as a result of overdoses, whether it was the extraordinary increase in housing costs, people were being affected by criminal activity in British Columbia. When we received last week the review from the expert panel and uh, the final uh, iteration of Mr. German's second report, it became abundantly clear to us that the depth and the magnitude of money laundering in British Columbia was far worse than we imagined when we were first sworn in. And that's why we established the uh, uh, public inquiry today. Minister Eby will give me some details on that. Minister James will be talking about the scope and the magnitude of the impact on our economy that resulted from illegal activity and the laundering of the money from that legal activity here in BC. These are profound problems for our system, to be sure, but they're profound problems for the people of British Columbia as well. Families can't afford to live in our major cities. Families are seeing loved ones die because of drug activity that has exploded over the past 10 to 15 years, and the proceeds of that crime 
is continuing to circulate through the economy. We want to stamp that out. We believe a public inquiry today will allow us to get an understanding of how we got to this point, to understand every element of it that we could not uh, compel witnesses to give with Mr. German, and we'll see the depth of the problem and the magnitude of the challenge all of us face as we try to eradicate this problem going forward. I'll pass it over to Carol now. Thank you very much, uh, Premier, and good morning, everyone. Uh, as the Premier said when we were elected, we inherited a housing crisis of a magnitude that the country, let alone the province, had never seen. We didn't shy away from our commitment to act. We got to work right away. We rolled out our 30-point housing plan for affordability, and we made the largest investment in housing in BC's history. We implemented the speculation and vacancy tax to target foreign owners and satellite families who live in our province and do not pay tax here. And we have world-leading legislation just passed yesterday in the legislature to establish Canada's first public registry of beneficial landowners in British Columbia. But alongside, act alongside action, we also need answers. Last week's expert panel report estimated for the first time the extent of money laundering infiltrating our economy, particularly in our red-hot real estate market. The panel's estimate of $7 billion being laundered in our province was much more than anyone was aware of. $5 billion of that estimated to be laundered through the real estate market. Thanks to the panel's work, we know that money laundering is responsible for hiking BC housing prices on average across the province by about 5%, but we know in markets like Metro Vancouver with much more money laundering activity, that could be much, much higher, as high as 20%. That could mean all the difference in someone's down payment or ability to get a mortgage. It's unacceptable to have a housing market that's distorted and inflated by the proceeds of crime, while ordinary British Columbians are struggling to find secure, affordable housing. Our real estate market should provide housing for people, not profits for criminals. And that's why we're moving ahead with a public inquiry into money laundering. And now I'll turn it over to the attorney. <coughs> Good morning. The decision to hold an inquiry will be very welcome news for British Columbians who have told us they want answers and action against money laundering. The inquiry will look at the broad scope of the problem, give us answers about who knew what and when, and tell British Columbians who exactly is participating in and profiting from money laundering in our province. I am very pleased to advise you that Justice Austin Cullen has agreed to head this inquiry. He is an eminent B.C. Supreme Court Justice, formerly serving as Associate Chief Justice in British Columbia. In addition to his work on the B.C. Supreme Court bench, he has also served as British Columbia's most senior prosecutor in our independent prosecution service. Justice Collins' exceptional experience and knowledge of administration, law, and procedure will serve him well in this challenging role. I am also pleased that Justice Cullen will have a good starting point for his investigation. You have seen the remarkable information that Peter German and Maureen Maloney were able to gather in a very short time, even without access to confidential law enforcement records or the power to compel witnesses. Their valuable reports gave us the basis on which to make the decision to hold a public inquiry. Even with many red flags, the problem of money laundering in BC is bigger than we thought 
and is more entrenched than we'd hoped. It is also clear that some individuals have refused to participate in our reviews voluntarily. We are done with asking nicely. Today our government has given Justice Cullen the authority to do more than ask for voluntary participation. We have given him all of the powers to compel testimony and gather evidence that his new office as Commissioner allows under the Public Inquiry Act. These powers are significant. They include the right to inspect any public place and seize records, and the right to apply to court to obtain a warrant to search a private place and seize records, the right to order an individual to attend a hearing and testify under oath, and to order that individual to produce any information or thing in that person's control and the power to find a person who refuses to respect these orders in contempt in the same way as if an order of our courts were, was not followed. The commencement of this inquiry process is a vital and long overdue step towards justice in British Columbia. Given that there is significant overlap with federal jurisdiction on the urgent problem with organized crime our province faces, I have spoken with my federal counterpart, Minister Bill Blair, who has rightly committed that the federal government will cooperate with us as required in this important work. I thank him for his commitment. This promise of full support should be a nonpartisan issue for all federal political parties. And we would welcome all federal parties endorsing full federal cooperation with British Columbia in our time of crisis, in our fight against international and domestic organized crime, laundering their dirty money in our province's economy. Now the Premier, Minister James and I would be happy to take questions. Okay, opening up for questions, just a reminder to the reporters online, can you please press zero one to queue up your questions? Okay, first one we have is from Zisman. So with the timing of all of this to the Premier, um, are you hoping to have political accountability in terms of the decisions that were made by the previous government? When considering the direction for the report in May 2021, what impact do you think that will have in the, September, the fall 2021 provincial election? Well, we had to give uh, the commissioner an appropriate period of time to conduct this review. As the attorney said, I believe we did a good deal of the investigative work through Mr. German's undertaking, uh, both in Report 1 and Report 2. On the housing side, uh, the expert panel that uh, Minister James put together with uh, former Deputy Attorney General Maureen Maloney at the head gave us, again, a better insight into the depth of the problem. I believe that British Columbians want to know how this was allowed to happen in British Columbia. The, the uh, commissioner is not constrained in terms of his timelines. He can go as far back as he needs to to get answers for British Columbians. This is about making sure that there's accountability. When uh, the uh, significant prosecution last fall failed, we gathered the three of us and cabinet and said, how can we find a way forward? We put in place these two second, second part for Mr. German, first part from Ms. Maloney, and in a very short period of time, they collected uh, information that I know shocked everyone in this room and all British Columbians. Uh, the Commissioner, uh, Commissioner Cullen, will have the ability to compel testimony, and I believe that will open up even more doors and more insights into the depth of the problem. The timing of it is the timing of it. We felt that the best way forward was to collect information and ensure there was accountability. When the prosecution failed, I spoke to the Prime Minister. Uh, the attorney spoke with uh, his opposite number in Ottawa, and, and Ms. James, uh, the finance minister, was looking at the consequences to the economy in B.C., which, of course, has implications for the economy of Canada as well. This is a national problem with a, an extraordinary focus 
here in British Columbia. We believe it's our obligation to get answers to those questions, and I believe Commissioner Cullen will help us do that. Do you think BC Liberals will be compelled to testify in this, and do you think it could have political ramifications before that 2021 election? I believe that if there is uh, testimony that the Commissioner requires to get to the bottom of this, he will compel that testimony. Uh, who that will be is up to the Commissioner. Okay, we have Justine and then Mike. Can you um, give us an idea of who, who or what agencies refuse to cooperate with the German report right. and the Maloney report? And also, um, does the assurance from Mr. Blair mean that the RCC will cooperate with and provide all the information he wants to uh, Dr. German has not released uh, to government or to the public the full list of people who he asked to participate and who did or didn't. Uh, he did in his report outline, uh, as an example, that there were some uh, people in the luxury car industry who refused to cooperate and participate uh, with his review, uh, as one example. Um, in terms of uh, the issue of federal agencies, um, I have the assurance of uh, full cooperation from Minister Blair, uh, and I am very grateful for that. I know that the government is, and the Premier is as well. Uh, because there are a number of federal agencies that were supposed to be there to protect us. Uh, FinTrack, the anti-money laundering agency, federally is the most obvious example. They did not protect us. And uh, so uh, the commitment of cooperation from the federal government is very important. So that does just sound clear that the RCMP is under, falls under that as a federal agency. As far as you're concerned, they, they will be cooperating with the RCMP has, uh, there's an important federal component related to the RCMP in terms of their international and national investigative bodies, and we hope for full cooperation not just from the federal government uh, on the political side, but also from entities like the RCMP. I'm sure that they have as much interest as we do in ending this activity. And uh, I also spoke with the Prime Minister about this last week, let him know that uh, we were on this track, uh, and uh, he offered his full support at that time as well. Okay, Mike, then Vaughn. Uh, Pre, your message to Liberal Leader Andrew Wilkinson. Would you expect? Would you encourage him to cooperate in this and tell his people to cooperate? Oh, absolutely. I, I would expect that, and I, I'm sure that you'll ask him that. So one of the challenges we've had as we've tried to grapple with this, starting with uh, the issues in casinos and looking again at, at when we started investigating this in opposition, it was about the ex extraordinary escalation in housing costs that the former government appeared to be indifferent to, regardless of the consequences it was having for people. We asked uh, early on if they would waive privilege and allow us as a new cabinet to have access to the work that they said they had done on this file, and they refused to do that. I would hope that uh, Minister Wilkinson will revisit that question and allow the public to have an understanding of what work did happen, and certainly not just the public, but uh, Commissioner Cullen should have access to that information, and that will be a challenge going forward. Uh, if if there, there have been some questions raised about decisions made by the NDP government in the 1990s, would you be willing to waive all privilege to... Absolutely. Have uh, 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 we're not constraining the Commissioner in any way. I will say that uh, the gaming in the 90s was a... Uh, shadow of what we see today in terms of the magnitude of the betting limits and the scale and the access to uh, places to launder money. But we're not afraid of that at all. In fact, if it's appropriate and the commissioner calls for it, we would certainly see that happening. Okay, we're going to do Vaughn, Bob, then Dirk. Uh, has Commissioner Cullen agreed to this two-year timetable? Uh, uh, 
Commissioner Cullen has, uh, has received uh, the terms of reference and has agreed to act as commissioner, uh, and the, the timetable is part of those terms of reference. Um, by the two-year schedule? The, well, the reality is of uh, inquiries in British Columbia is that um, there are some inquiries that have uh, seemed very close to uh, anticipated time schedules, and, and there are also inquiries that have found the need to ask for extensions. Uh, the commitment from government to uh, Commissioner Cullen is that he will have the resources and the time that he needs to do the job that we're asking him to do, which is to uh, get answers for British Columbians about how this happened, who's profiting from it, and are there other uh, issues that we haven't uncovered yet that we should be dealing with. So he's not uh, the, the terms of reference are clear in terms of timelines, but if the Commissioner believes that he requires additional time, there's a mechanism for him to request additional time from government. ADM in the Ministry of the Attorney General in the 90s, also prosecutor. Does that limit his ability to look into what went on in the 1990s? Not at all. Just for clarity, uh, he, was, he was the head of the Independent Prosecution Service, and in that role was an ADM. Uh, the Prosecution Service is separate from government, uh, as you know, uh, and independent, and it was really important to us to have somebody with the experience as a senior prosecutor in this role because... Uh, we, you'll see in the terms of reference, uh, there is the possibility of brushing up against uh, active criminal investigations or active police matters, and we need someone who's able to recognize and negotiate that very uh, difficult area. Okay, Bob, moving on to the next question. Yep. We have Bob next, but can I ask the, uh, the two ministers to actually use the mic at the stand because your lab working. mics okay. are, sure. are not picking up properly? I'll just add to the time frame. Uh, the good work of uh, Peter German in Part 1 and Part 2 and the work of the Maloney uh, Task Force uh, does a, a, a lot of the initial steps that the commissioner would have been required to do. And so I believe that the time frames are, are uh, achievable, and uh, we didn't want to constrain uh, his ability to work within those. But uh, as, as the attorney said, uh, this is an inexact science, and uh, you would know after observing many of these over the years that the best of intentions oftentimes uh, run afoul of the circumstances that you find. And, and we were shocked, as you were, to find the magnitude of the problem in the real estate sector, uh, that there were government programs that were being utilized to enable uh, laundering of money through the luxury auto sector. These were revelations, and there may well be more, and those could take more time or not. That is up to the commissioner. Okay, Bob Mackin. Does the definition of regulatory authorities or regulatory bodies within this order also include municipal governments and regional districts? Because municipal governments, municipal politicians, municipal bureaucrats, may have been victims and they may have been complicit with the money laundering. Will, will Colin allow that kind of testimony or really compel testimony from municipal authorities? The uh, intent was in, in uh, preparing these terms of reference to give the commissioner as much leeway as possible to identify organizations with any uh, contact or, or authority or responsibility uh, in this area uh, to be able to be called to account. And uh, certainly if the commissioner uh, feels that there's a group that somehow isn't captured in the terms of reference, we would invite the commissioner to come back and ask for the terms to be modified because the intent was to be as inclusive as possible. Now you uh, have talked to federal authorities but we also talk to municipal authorities to, uh, you know, Vancouver, Surrey, Richmond, Burnaby, or UPCM. No, uh, the, uh, there haven't been any uh, conversations with, uh, with municipal governments on the terms of reference or on a public inquiry. Dirk? Um, when the federal minister was here a couple of times, he, he said things like, we can't really understand the scope of money laundering because the, the criminals don't file tax returns. So 
are you going to be able to, are, is there going to be like whistleblowers at this inquiry or are you actually able to compel some of these criminals to come and testify? So there, there is nobody uh, in, in British Columbia that uh, is not potentially compellable. Uh, the commissioner could certainly call individuals who are believed to be actively involved in money laundering. The caveat on that, obviously, and it's in the terms of reference, is not to interfere with active police investigations um, and to be very careful about that. And if the commissioner comes across information that should be going to law enforcement, that that happens right away. Um, so this uh, commission could potentially uh, form a significant disruption uh, in business as usual. It's really in the commissioner's hands uh, who the commissioner calls uh, to testify. Okay, Tanya, and then we're moving to phone lines. Can you talk a bit about, we saw the latest reports highlighted how this wasn't just a DC problem, in fact, we're not even the worst. So how can this, within our boundaries, really address the problem on a national level? I know you're going to talk about the federal responsibility there, but what can this inquiry do given that? Well, we have an obligation to British Columbians to get to the bottom of this so they have a better understanding that the decision makers that are in place to protect the public interest, to protect the people of BC, are doing their job and have been doing their job consistently over time. That's our objective. There is a significant problem in Canada. The attorney and uh, Mr. Blair have discussed that at length. I've talked to the Prime Minister about it as well. You're absolutely correct. This is a national problem. But British Columbia is well ahead of other jurisdictions in trying to ferret this out and make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect the public interest. Uh, the proceeds of crime are distorting the lives of British Columbians. This, this is not a, an intellectual exercise for families who can't afford to live in homes in, in Vancouver and Victoria and Kelowna. This is a real-time issue for people. And the challenges that we've been able to uncover, Mr. German has been able to uncover, uh, are just the tip of the iceberg. If we can compel testimony, if we can ensure that uh, an independent jurist is reviewing that information in the public interest, I believe that we will be well served by that. And Canada will be well served by that. Okay, so online questions now. We have Graham Wood from Glacier Media. Hi, um, this is for Carol James. Um, you, Carol, you keep mentioning these numbers out of the Maloney report. How, can you just kind of describe how confident you are in these numbers? Um, you, it seems as though that $5 billion is mm -hmm. fact, yeah. but it's quite not. I think it's important to note that uh, that uh, Dr. Maloney and the report made it very clear that they believe these are conservative numbers. Um, they did do modeling and and uh, they did go through their their economics on the numbers, but they uh, quite readily will acknowledge that they believe that these are conservative numbers. That in fact the numbers they believe are much larger, uh, based on GDP growth, based on the escalating housing market. Uh, so I am certainly um, I think shocked, like everyone was. Uh, when that number was released, uh, when we look at $7 billion and in 2018, when we look at $5 billion in the area of housing, um, I think it pointed out very clearly that the work we've already done to date has been critical uh, to get going. Just because it's a big problem, just because uh, it's a challenge or the federal government also has responsibility, doesn't stop British Columbia from taking leadership. And, and that's what the Premier and government have done, in fact, is take leadership on speculation and vacancy tax, on the beneficial registry, where we will actually require companies and corporations and trusts to disclose uh, who is behind those numbered companies so they can't hide behind those numbered companies for money laundering. So um, I think the reports just pointed clearly to the work that we've done and the work that needs to happen through an inquiry. 
Okay, we have it could be as low as $800 on the line. Do we? Les Lane from the Times Colonist. Oh, thanks. Uh, why is the commission um, barred from inquiring after respecting the exercise of prosecutorial discretion? And does that preclude any explanation of the big mystery about why the Silver International case collapsed last Really, Les, we... I got it. You got enough of that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... The, a lot of good on the answer. Some of you will... Uh, yeah, that's right. Jen's <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about the success of the government. Um, the, uh, the, some of you will remember the Frank Paul uh, inquiry, which uh, uh, was specifically tasked to look at the decision of prosecutors around, uh, around uh, whether or not uh, proper decisions were made in... Uh, in uh, not charging police officers uh, in relation to their activities with respect to Mr. Paul. There was a judicial review by the prosecution service of uh, their requirement to testify, uh, raised issues of prosecutorial independence. Uh, and the, this does not exempt uh, either uh, federal or, or provincial uh, prosecution services from participation. Uh, what it does do uh, is it limits the ability of the commissioner to go back and second-guess the decisions of an individual prosecutor on a particular file. Um, I understand that uh, the Prosecution Service and the RCMP are doing reviews around the Silver International case, um, and uh, it does and it will have the effect of not allowing uh, somebody, the, the commissioner, uh, to go in and second-guess the decision of the federal prosecutor that said, look, we can't go ahead with this. Um, and the reasons for that are to preserve prosecutorial independence, but it's not a correct interpretation that the issue of adequate resources for prosecutors or how prosecutors work with police or these kinds of things uh, can't be looked at. In fact, it could uh, very easily be looked at as part of this inquiry. Okay, we're going to leave the phone lines and end with Mary and then Lisa. Um, I think it's a, probably a question for the Finance Minister. Um, German Travis from Integrity BC was just looking at the numbers and starting in 2000 between the lottery court and uh, the property transfer tax. Um, and um, the government took in about $800 million, and then you fast forward to 2017-2018, it's in the billions. And I just wonder, once you start um, clapping down on money laundering, you're looking at a, uh, probably that revenue source is decreasing. How do you compensate well, there is no question. Uh, I think, as the, the Premier said clearly, um, money laundering impacts the economy, um, just as a speculative real estate impacts the economy. Uh, and, yes, you saw money coming into the Treasury, uh, into government, uh, from those activities. But when you look at the impact and the damage on the province and the people of this province, the housing crisis, for example, uh, caused huge problems and continues to cause huge problems when it comes to our economy, recruiting and retaining workers. We have the best labor market in the country, and we have trouble getting people because they take a look at the real estate market and go somewhere else. So that has a huge economic impact. Uh, the issue of opioids and the, the crisis that we see that impacts families, the human crisis, but also the monetary crisis around our health care system and policing and the justice system. So the costs of money laundering of losing uh, the, the support for institutions in our province, for having the kind of reputation, um, I believe has much more of an impact than looking for quick dollars coming into the budget. We need to build a long-term sustainable economy that works for people, and that excludes criminals and excludes money laundering. Okay, Lisa, and then one question from Rob Shaw. Just, I, one thing that people are going to want to see is they want to see heads roll. Can you talk about what will be 
you know, charges that may be laid beyond naming and shaming, will charges be laid and will be prosecuted? Well, it's pretty early days to, to answer those questions. I think uh, our objective here is, is not uh, as graphically violent as you've suggested there. Our objective is to, <laughs> to meet the issues that uh, Minister James just talked about. Uh, it's, it's not the, you know, that perhaps other governments were intoxicated by the revenues that kept coming in. There's certainly evidence of that. We'll see if the Commissioner finds that. The issue is how is this affecting people, the foregone economic activity, the family that couldn't stay in the lower mainland, the, uh, the lost opportunity for a business to start because a good idea had to go somewhere else because they couldn't afford to live here. That is the real challenge is to make sure that we're working always in the interest of the people of British Columbia. The revenues that come and go uh, are a key part of delivering services without any doubt. But I think all British Columbians want those revenues to arrive in a legitimate way, not at the expense of uh, families who lose uh, precious loved ones to an opioid crisis that is being fueled by organized crime. If the opportunity comes up or if you find that people were doing criminal activities, will we see prosecutions? That's up to the prosecution service. That's not up to me. Okay, your one question, Which is Rob. probably a good thing. Is <laughs> uh, for us cost? Do we know an estimate of what this would cost? And is there any provincial money for people who need to be indemnified or their legal costs or costs they might incur as a process? The indemnity process is, again, separate from uh, the political process. There's a, an avenue for public officials to access those decisions, and I'll leave that to what it is. The cost, uh, we've not uh, put forward a final cost because we don't know what that will be. What we do know is the consequences of $7 billion at a minimum, $7 billion of illegal activity in the economy is having a profound impact on people and a profound impact on how we grow a sustainable economy going forward. So we will not constrain uh, the commissioner uh, by putting a title or a, a, a tagline on it for the cost, but you know in previous examples of, of commissions of this nature, the cost can escalate. We're mindful of that, but we don't want to constrain it at this time. We know that the value for money of making sure that the public has a good understanding of how we got here, and more importantly, how do we ensure that we can stifle this activity and eradicate it if at all possible. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the Press Theatre Conference call. Thank you for your participation and have a nice day.